Welcome back to the Cinema Draft Podcast. I am your host, Eduardo Jackson, creator and CEO and founder of Cinema Draft, the game and the site, where daily fantasy meets the movies. Instead of drafting athletes from teams, you're drafting actors from movies and how their movies compete at the North American box office. They earn you points so you can play against your friends to win prizes and bragging rights. I am joined once again, fully awake by our, my co-host, lead designer on Cinema Draft, the site, Peter Vogt. Hello, hello. That's right, in incog negro mode once again. <laughs> nice. That's right. Um, so how you doing, Peter? What's going on with you? Doing all right. I've been listening to Bomani Jones for the past three hours, so I'm already ready to roll. I am feeling very lit. I am ready to conversate. <laughs> That's right. I used to I used to drive my English professor nuts in ninth grade. In uh, not ninth grade, in so, freshman year in Morehouse, she was like, "It's converse. It's not conversate." But yes, let's get our conversate on straight up. <laughs> um, and, uh, and and I'm a huge Bomani Jones fan too. You actually, you guys might find some of his cadences or phrasing throughout this podcast. We're really gonna try to keep it nice, light, and conversational. Uh, and, and we'll start some inside jokes, and you know, it's make you part of the family. Uh, so our first segment, something new, trying out. Uh, in case you missed last week's solo pod, which I actually had a lot of fun doing, wasn't that bad. I'm an only child, so I guess that kind of explains itself. But uh, first segment is what I'm watching. And I, I'll go first. I'll tell you that last week I saw Snowden, and it was lit. <laughs> Snowden! All right. Yes, All right, Snowden. Trader. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no, and, and, and so, so, I, so I was trying to explain to a friend of mine, a friend of mine who actually went with, with me to see it, uh, a friend, Jeannie. She's, you know, she's kind of conservative-ish a little bit. Uh, she's, you know, beat, you know, marches the beat her own drum. But anyways, I was explaining to her that there's like almost like three levels of Snowden dumb. That you know, first when Snowden came out and with the leaks or whatever, and and like you said, people were like, "Oh, traitor! He's not a patriot." You know, and you know, really, what all he was doing was whistleblowing for our benefit or whatever. If you didn't get it, then then you know, like a year, year and a half later, came out that uh. Uh, that documentary with Laura Poitras, the filmmaker, which laid it all out. I remember watching it with my mom up in Seattle. You know, she's, you know, in her 70s, whatever. And she's like, well, I've got nothing to hide. And she came out freaked the fuck out after she watched that. Uh, uh, uh. And now, yeah, Citizen so, so then, 4. Yeah, Citizen 4, exactly. Yeah, Citizen 4. And then and then this is like the last level of Snowdendom, where if you didn't catch the first two, this will definitely convert you, you know, if you, you know, have any sense of privacy whatsoever. If you don't, if you come out of this movie still thinking you need the government to put your emails and shit, then basically you're just a third world dictator. <laughs> uh, I'm going to pass on that one, big homie. No! Traitor! <laughs> I, no, I just, I just don't really care. That's the thing. Like, I just, listen, when actually first came out, I was like, all right, listen, that's crazy, blah, blah, blah. But like, I've worked in tech for my whole career. Like, I understand what everyone's doing. Like, I understand that I, ever since I've had a cell phone, I've kind of assumed that someone is listening in and there ain't shit that I can do about it. And if we make three fucking movies and 12 documentaries and 15 whistleblows, it's never going to change. So I'm like, I feel kind of defeatist in the fact that I'm like, do I even want to see a movie? I don't really like anybody that's in the movie, to be honest with you. So, I mean, I, don't, I just, I'm going to pass, man. I'm going to pass on Snowden. What, J, uh, JGL? You're not a fan of uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt? He's all right. I mean, listen, Brick is He's one of my favorite right. movies of all time. 
<laughs> no, brick, brick, brick is so lit. Brick is brick very is really lit. Good. Uh, yeah. Third rock so, so from the a funny story, funny story, real quick about brick. So uh, that was back in my heavy duty LA living uh, uh, writing days, and I was and I got the invite to see a screening at it. You know, one of those little private screenings in some anonymous room up in uh, Beverly Hills. And so the movie ends, we come out, and I was you know, you know, thoughts are swimming a little bit, but this older lady kind of you know comes out. Um, and she's like, oh, what do you think of the movie? That was good, huh? I was like, yeah, yeah. You know, the, the lead was really good. She's like, oh, yeah, that's my that's my uh, grandson, Joey. Joey is so, yeah, I re- Joey did a really good job. I'm like, yeah, Joey did. <laughs> because that was his first real role after Third Rock from the Sun, that long-running, uh, now syndicated TV show where he kind of grew up in front of our own eyes. And for, to see him, be, you know, basically being fairly full-grown in that movie, Joey, Joey, he does make it. He all grows up. He all grows up. Yeah, yeah Joey, uh, Joey, like we, t- we talked about on 10 Things I Hate About You. I feel like that was kind of his first movie, but he was still a kid then. Like Brick, he was like, it was a high school movie, but he was still, I think he was like 1920. He felt more grown up. That was a, that was a serious role. And uh, I don't think he would have got really anything, even though not a lot of people necessarily – Brick doesn't have all the accolades. But uh, I don't think he would have got like 50-50 and all that uh, if it weren't for Brick. So Yeah, no, he, he's, he's taking a really interesting path uh, as far as like his career goes. I mean it's not even like the, the one for them, one for me. It's more like four for him and then one for them. And and he, and he still finds a way to work with like really interesting directors and actors and stuff. And I, I don't know, I'm, I'm a bit of a fan. I, I think he's kind of one of the more slept on – really quality actors of his generation, but time will tell. Uh, do you catch the Emmys at all? I yeah, hard pass on the Emmy, brother. <laughs> well, I, well, I'm, I'm one of those believers who thinks that we're in the golden age of TV still. I mean, so much good shit out there. And I totally miss the Emmys too, but uh, I, I figured it was fairly lit because I'm – you know, I was checking like my Instagram on whatever it is I was doing. I think I was working or, or something. Maybe I was playing video games. I can't remember. Uh, and and then I saw there's a lot of love for Mr. Robot, and I kept seeing all these black people holding like gold statues in my, in my Instagram <laughs> feed. And so I was like thinking, you know, hashtag we made it. We made it, Ma. We made it. It's very exciting, and uh, and so I figured it was fairly lit. Some of my favorite shows got honored. Mr. Robot, the lead on that, got uh, won won an award, which I thought was fantastic because that's such a weird, quirky show. Uh, People versus O.J. Smith. I mean, I mean, some O.J. Smith, O.J. Simpson. I mean, and remember, <laughs> remember O.J. Simpson? We, I mean, we, that was a water cooler show at our at our old job. Yeah, no, People versus O.J. Simpson was very, very, very lit for sure. And then the ESPN uh, doc series afterwards. Whoo, shit. She just made me mad, man. Some stuff like, so like, for example, and, and my apologies are like 12 subscribers. Hi, mom, uh, for not having this out last night. I was all ready to go. Peter was off asleep. It was, you know, uh, grandpa, uh, bed bedtime. And I was uh... ready, to, ready to record a podcast when – when I saw like just some stuff on, on social media with, you know, another black man being shot up, you know, unarmed and stuff. And I just, I just didn't have it in me. I, I, I couldn't do it. And, and stuff like that. Like when you see like OJ Simpson and you see how it kind of ties into the fabric of this country and stuff. I mean, it's, it's, it's educational, it's informative, dare I say even entertaining, but it can also be kind of infuriating because it seems like, you know, as far as we've come, we're still in the same place, but. George that's... Bush does not care about black people. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck your couch. Okay. Fuck your uh, couch. All right. All right we got to be money. Uh, <laughs> and lastly, I'm watching. 
Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I hate to be like, oh shit, we're talking about black people, justice against black people. Let's keep it moving. But like, damn, we got off on the Emmys and Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and now we're getting political. Hey man, it's what I'm watching. You know, what, what do you want? It's a, it's a, it's a free flowing. What, what, what's the Bill Simmons tagline? A free flowing conversation with that might occasionally have mature language. <laughs> That's right. All right. All right. That's fair. That's fair uh, enough. All right, and just to wrap up, what else I'm watching? NBA 2K17 is, is is very hot. Very excited about it. Uh, for those of you who do play video games, whatever, uh, if you look through, if you're building your own team, and I have successfully resuscitated the Seattle SuperSonics, <laughs> brought them back to Seattle, um, you can actually insert uh, scanned or or um, digital images into the game for advertising. And so, please believe. I have, I'm rolling on all the, the floor signs, Cinema Draft logos. It is the lit family, the lit. <laughs> I'm still on Madden. I don't, you know, I'm not a big basketball guy. I, lo- I love Madden though. I've been playing Madden for weeks straight. I basically like, I lead into the football season by playing Madden like 14 hours a week. And then I just kind of, <laughs> I keep it going. And then eventually like around week five or six, I'm like, all right, fuck this, I'm out. Well, you're among friends because I mean, you know, you know, Madden, video games, you know, fantasy football, daily fantasy. You're all welcome here. I mean, we're all part of the same big gaming family, and and that's why I'm I'm very excited to talk cinema drafts with you guys, as well as our next segment, which is you know we're going to draft our five favorite westerns in honor of my man, the God. Denzel Washington, my personal favorite actor ever since freaking high school. He's just he's just the absolute best. He's coming out with the Magnificent Seven on Friday, uh, or, or really pretty much tomorrow night, Thursday night. So in honor of him, and it, uh, I think his first flat out all the way bona fide Western to an extent, uh, we are going to do a draft, a cinema draft, if you will. So we're going to alternate picks. Once someone uh, picks a movie, that movie is out of play. And since, okay, all right, so, all right, quick aside, there was some betting going on over the weekend. Did not go well for your boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's putting it lightly, real light, actually. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, talk your shit, talk your shit. I'm coming for you this weekend, though, since since I pretty much got, sweat, you know, cleaned off the board. Only cost me five bucks, though, which, quite honestly, is worth the entertainment value alone. Uh, Peter, you shall have first pick for for you know one of your five favorite westerns in any order you want but you go then i go then you go then i go until we get five each what is your first western you're taking off the board peter vote yeah way to way to keep the keep the board rolling so i don't get to rub it in your face too long about that all that, <laughs> oh, no, all, that all the time you want it's your podcast <laughs> all the time you want all that needling you did and then all that fucking betting you lost uh the shoulders anyway, broad listen right. handle it <laughs> this is this is tough for me. Westerns are my f- well, I'm not going to say my favorite category, but I will always have a special place in my heart for westerns. I like a lot of them. I will watch any western. I will watch all westerns all day long. Alamo Draft House when I lived in Texas, they did a marathon of like every Clint Eastwood movie, like like notable Clint Eastwood movie, and it was like 2 days long. And I Yo, missed Alamo, that shit. Alamo movie- Draft House. Yo, if you see this or hear this, why don't you come up off the at cinema draft on Twitter? Like for real, dog. I mean, I, I get it. You got you got there first, but we could use it. We need it. All right, go go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> draft house for sure partnership. I mean, come on, obvious. All right, number one, right off the bat, I'm your huckle baby, Barry baby, Tombstone. Yeah, there it is, Tombstone. 
All right, give us a quick uh, uh, rationale for Tombstone. What you what you like about it? What you love about it? Well, so you know, Wyatt Earp, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, Arizona. It is the proto. It is the absolute perfect picturesque setting and uh, western story. And uh, typecast the ever-living shit out of Sam Elliott. I don't think he ever didn't play a cowboy after that. Um, even in like, <laughs> yeah, even in like, even in Up in the Air when he was the airplane pilot, it's like, nah, you're Virgil from Tombstone. Stop it now. <laughs> um, but listen, I mean, gunfight at the OK Corral. I mean, wider. I mean, I don't. It's it's um, it's just uh all-time great it's I, I i've always considered it like the godfather of western movies uh i think there are actually a lot of people who probably disagree with me on that but i think in terms of uh box office success and everything uh it doesn't get all that much better than tombstone it's the full package uh big big uh big ticket actor kurt russell val kilmer great story uh bi- biographical story uh perfect cinematography backdrop everything love it all right, Tombstone, first off the board. And I do vaguely recall that. So what's going to make this segment maybe a little more interesting than, than most is the fact that – how did I describe it to you earlier today, Peter? I have an active indifference to Westerns. I kind of yeah. care less. And, and, I mean, probably for obvious reasons. I mean, let's just say that, you know, Westerns weren't a great time for black people, so I don't have a lot of linkage, you know, innate linkage to, to those movies. But – I did. I was able to scrape up some that I, that I did enjoy, and just from a pure strategy standpoint, I apologize in advance, Peter. You gave me the idea. I'm totally stealing it because my list was motherfucker. <laughs> Django Unchained. Uh, I almost took that number one, but like Tombstone is just so perfect for me as a western. What makes you a Mandingo uh, expert? What makes you a Mandingo expert? Oh. oh my God, Leonardo DiCaprio was robbed. He was robbed. How did he not? I mean, win for the? That was is Calvin Candy. I mean, Jamie Foxx is being you know just just black string personified. Freaking Christoph Waltz. I mean, you know, Tarantino did his thing. Now look, it had a few major end bombs for me. I mean, as is Tarantino's way or whatever. To the point where I mean, he actually makes you want to be uncomfortable. I get that's his style, and it almost got to the point where it was so excessive. Now, mom and I, we saw this on Christmas Day, right? I'm up in Seattle. This is my mom for the holidays. We always see a movie every Christmas Day. For whatever reason, we decided we're going to go see Django Unchained. Okay, that's a great, cheery, festive holiday movie. But we're in there full, you know, full theater, you know, um, you know, Seattle, predominantly white or whatever, but it's a fairly mixed crowd. We're in the South End. And it's just, it just gets so uncomfortable at times that, that, he, that you start laughing because it's so outrageous. I mean, it's part comedy part revenge fantasy and just a hundred percent entertaining no matter where you fall on the side of it what makes you a mandingo expert there's so many <laughs> there's so many like absolutely phenomenal parts of that movie that like i can't even begin one of my favorites though that i think go went a little bit uh under the radar in that movie is when the dogs were tearing uh they had that scene with the dogs where the dogs are tearing the slave apart and everybody like on the plane all the yeah no i know all, everybody on the plantation is kind of sitting there laughing and the but the german doctor the white dude german guy is sitting there and he's kind of looking horrified and leonardo dicaprio's character calvin candy is like you know what what's the matter you know are you, you feeling a little sick to your stomach a little light in your loafers or whatever and uh <laughs> and and jamie fox's character Django goes 
no, nah, he's just not used to Americans. That's all, or something like that. And I was like, damn, that's so like it's so on point because of how that's fucked that. up our country, country was. Back then. All right, well now your turn. Wait, what's your what's the next movie you're drafting? Where are you taking off the the, the board? We're going Quentin Tarantino back to back, and we're doing The Hateful Eight, a brand new one. I knew that I'm was coming. That shit in. I knew that was coming. It's coming right. because you know. I bumped it up a spot, not because I thought you were going to take it, but I bumped it up because your story, I saw it with my wife on Christmas morning. Uh, <laughs> we, we saw it in Vegas at that uh, Town Square Theater. Shit was packed. There was a fucking line out the door. Um, you know, it was absolutely, we saw the, uh, the 30 millimeter uh, road show version of it, which was super lit. Um, well, so real quick, what's the difference but, between like the 30 millimeter version and like a regular version? What, what, what makes it so V lit? So, um, I can't, is it actually 30 or I can't remember if it's like 30 millimeter or 40 miller millimeter, um, film. Uh, but basically it was an old school or sorry, it was 70 millimeter. I just looked it up. Uh, so okay. anyway, so Quentin Tarantino did a 70 millimeter roadshow for a hundred theaters and 44 markets. And what that was, was he used the uh, purely analog filming for, uh, format and uh, brought these giant massive fucking wheels of film to the uh, movie theaters. All the guys at the movie theaters are like, Oh fucking Quentin Tarantino is making us haul this shit. Um, <laughs> you know, you, cause uh, basically uh, be, you that the picture of the film is more authentic and uh, genuine to the source material on 70 millimeter film than the digital stuff that we get now. So it's like super crispy or like extra wide or is like what I mean. It, it, is, it, it is extra wide and it okay. is supposed to be super crispy. I don't think I couldn't really tell a difference. Uh, I was just so jacked up uh, by the movie. Um, All right. So it was there on Christmas with the wife. Super crispy, yeah, super so, wide, jacked up. Yeah, and you know, there's a fucking 45 minute scene in a carriage uh, where you're not 45 minute, but that shit was long as fuck in the beginning. They're all talking. Um, you know, all the main characters are kind of, or the first few are settling in in the carriage and headed off to uh, Wyoming. And I don't know anyone who can do that long in a carriage just with dialogue and make it as entertaining as he did. Um, and he brings the heat as always. He is a consummate filmmaker. Uh, the dialogue is just as lit as the brutal shootouts and Samuel L. Jackson forcing this Confederate general to suck his dick in the snow. Um, you get a, you get a little bit of everything in a Quentin Tarantino film. Um, so again, I must I must place the qualifier. I'm not talking about all time greatest Western necessarily. I'm talking about my favorite. So that's number nope. two. Absolutely no. I'm I'm pretty sure. Well, we'll be getting some newer people along the way as our uh, site rolls out. But yeah, if anyone our longtime watchers and listeners of the podcast know that these are just ones that we're partial to, and there is a bit of strategy involved. So it may not be the top ones, you know, that are out there that we like the best, but ones that we're feeling right now or or what have you. So that that's a good one. That definitely qualifies. And I'm and I knew it was coming on your list, and I wouldn't pluck it from your list anyways because I've yet to finish watching it. Oh my god. Yeah. Okay, so my next one is 310 wow. to Yuma. Do you remember this okay, film? Okay, all right. Hell yeah. yeah James Mangold doing his thing. That's... It was very exciting. I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the hell out of the flick. It was like a, 
I mean that I think it was what Christian Bale trying to get some guy to the gallows, or whatever, and 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 getting besieged along the way with a bunch of stuff, and he's got a kid along, and it's just got all these classic kind of kind of westerny elements and 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 loner elements and like redemption elements, all this sort of stuff that just I just remember it being like like really good in the year I I reviewed it. I um I think I saw it in the theaters, what have you, but I was really high on it. Whatever year it came out, and I want to say oh, I should be better at this. Um, I want to say it was like in the aughts, like 2004 or something, but it made my, oh, there it is. So 2007. So I remember it made like my top 10 of the year because it was just really good. And for, for Western to, to, to you know, even resonate with me is, is just going above and beyond. So 310 to Yuma, y'all check it out. Did you know that's a remake? Yes. Yes. I do. I do know. So sorry, sorry. The 2007 version with Christian Bale and, uh, who was, was that Vigo? Was Vigo in that joint? Um, it, it was, was uh, it was no 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 Russell Crowe. Oh, yeah, Russell. You know, I, I mean, Russell Crowe maybe you know kind of crazy off camera. Definitely, you know, is 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 turning into an, like a an older. I don't want to say elder statesman, but more of like a a, a dumpy, hefty type of a part of his career, or whatever, where he's very comfortable with his body <laughs> and his age. But my goodness, that guy is just he. I mean, he's a consummate actor. He's relentlessly entertaining. Totally forgot. Yes, three ten to Yuma. That's good stuff. That is really good stuff. Um, all right, so you're, you're you go now, Pete. Peter. Pete all right, Pablo. we're gonna take. That's right. Take your shirt off. Roll it around like a helicopter. Uh, listen. So, I'm gonna go with No Country for Old Men for number three. It's a neo western. Uh, you know, I okay. guess you could call it. Okay. Um, but I gotta. If if ever I have a chance, this is like my. Uh, it's almost like my boomerang, like your boomerang. I, if I have a chance to, sl- to slip the Coen, Coen brothers into a, into one of these lists, I'm going to do it um, okay. because I fucks with the Coen brothers full on. And um, so I don't know that I've found a character that's as scary to me as I ever have of Javier Bardem's character in that movie. Good Was it Anton Sugar or something? Anton Sugar yeah. or something? Sugar? Yeah. Yeah, well, you know what's funny is through that whole long movie, they hardly even ever say his name. Like, you can end that movie, like, not even knowing what the dude's name was because I think they only mention it once or twice. Um, that bowl cut, though. Hashtag that bowl cut, though. Skirt. Yeah, but that's how Skirt. hard this dude was. That's how hard this dude was. He he put daggers into your eyes just with this fucking mean-ass stare. It bowl cut or not, that guy could have walked out there with a fucking, you know, mohawk, and you'd be like, oh, whatever, man. I don't want anything to do with this guy. He is, he's going to fuck my shit up. Um, but, yeah, so great movie. Um, a little bit a little bit of a departure from your – well, I wouldn't say departure for Coen Brothers, but a little less humorous than the average. Uh, it didn't quite have the humor bent that most Coen Brothers flicks have. Um out in West Texas, shout out to West Texas, uh, Del Rio on the border of the Mexican uh, border of Mexico, uh, beautiful part of the country. You know me, I love Texas, I love West Texas, I love the desert, I love the Coen Brothers, I love No Country for Old Men. Some Friday Night Lights territory, right? Isn't that West yes, Texas? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Permian Panthers, yeah. Uh, okay, all right, that that works for me. Um, I'm gonna dig in the crates for for my next selection, Pete. I don't think you're ready for this one. You might have even Uh-oh. heard about this one because there is a slight generation gap between us. <laughs> no, it's about 12 oh, years, but who's counting? Um, and <sighs> Dances with Wolves. No, but that's actually not bad. Um, I'm going to go 
with Westworld. What? Oh, wait, hold on. Oh, I was thinking you said Waterworld. I was like, get the no, fuck no, out no, of no. Here. Although, I'm although if you want to go neo western, that's kind of like a western ish, whatever. But no, this the Westworld. So this one. <laughs> all right. So have you heard of Westworld? First of all, I've heard of it. I, I have not seen it. Okay, that's fair because it came out in 1973. That was even before I was born. But for some reason, I remember seeing it like on TV or HBO or something when I was a kid, when I was like way too young to to see that shit. And and I wouldn't say to appreciate because I really appreciated when I saw it. But you know, I was pretty young to be watching a, a movie like that. But basically, Westworld is is like a science fiction. Uh, a, a sci-fi future where people go to uh, – I'm trying to get the details wrong. It's either like a part of the world or like a different planet. I think it's actually a different planet or whatever where they set it up so that it's like chess piece, almost like a Truman show, but they set it up so that it's all like a Western. So like like Western setting, everything like like rich people in the future, you know, pay to go to this place and uh, live out their fantasies as being part of a real life actual Western, and they're interacting with like you know old school cowboys and 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 ladies of the night with their big frilly dresses, come up in here and see me sometime, that type of stuff, right? And and it turns out that those women aren't actually women; they're actually like androids, they're bots. And basically, the whole premise is what happens when the bots realize they aren't real. And then their whole, there's a whole like AI component to it, and the and the bots turning into their masters and all sorts of stuff. And guess who originated that movie, at least in the form of a book? And actually, no, or and I think he did the screenplay too. Was freaking Michael the God Crichton? That estate is gonna uh, stay getting money. Get your money, dead fam. He's got <laughs> Westworld is so Westworld was so lit. This movie from 40 years ago is coming out again on I think October 2nd as a series, which totally makes sense. And I think actually, if anything, the movie was what uh, what hurt the movie is that it was too short. I, I, you could watch this for endlessly. So many permutations you could you could work with on it. And so it's coming back out as a uh, as a series on HBO, which really is where it needs to be. So you're gonna have all the sex, blood gore and morally questionable anti-hero leads that you can ever hope to want and westworld as a concept and as a film was was really really tight definitely check it out if you haven't seen it uh that so does not sound in your wheelhouse at all i know i got to when i was young man i, I must have been what, eight or nine when i first saw it i mean on on tv or something hbo but yeah it's it's good stuff Wow, that's so much more. It seems like something that I would watch rather than you would. That that seems like something I would watch, and you would be like, "Fuck out of here with that shit." No, well, you know, you know what, you know where it does touch me though is sci-fi. I love sci-fi, visions of the future, or whatever. My favorite Back to the Future is Back to the Future Two, which objectively probably is the best one, regardless. But I mean, you know, I like futuristic stuff. That's just that's just how I roll. All right, so Yo, what's your what's your next pick? Real quick, how about that yeah. passenger trailer? Yeah. All right. So. Commercial or timeout, timeout. Yo, yo. So, I've been so so I I've been I try to keep up with the trades and everything. I had heard a lot about this movie as far as like, well, first of all, the leads you can't get any better than Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence right now in their primes, top of their game. Chris Peak. Pratt, Lake Stevens, Washington. What's up? The homie, two oh six, and 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 so I'm I had high hopes to begin with, but it seems like such a really good concept that has really good potential. I mean, to just be executed flawlessly. It's coming out at Christmas, and I, I mean, right now it's leader in the clubhouse for Mom and I's Christmas movie, like straight up. It's leader in the clubhouse right now. 
can't be understated enough that fucking trailer actually walked you through the plot of the film which is something that's so increasingly rare and unfortunately rare these days um you know man that just looks like absolutely awesome all right so next up on my list is number four okay um fistful of dollars uh gotta gotta get a Goddamn! That's it, right? Goddamn right. Yep, that's right. And this is, and, and so, um, what's so fucking funny? If you look at a fistful of dollars, so it kicked off the kind of spaghetti western uh, trend. Well, I don't want to say trend, but um, they got really popular after this flick came out. And what spaghetti western is is it's American westerns with um, largely American actors um who w- that were written by people like C- Sir- and directed by Sergio Leone who are i mean Italians like actual not not Italian Americans like they live in Italy <laughs> and, and um and it was it was actually um a movie that was intended for an Italian audience um and he wanted to kind of reinvent the genre. Uh, you know, Westerns were real big in the 50s here. Um, Sergio Leone thought they sucked. And he gave us what eventually would become, you know, the inspiration for pretty much every other Western that came after it. I mean, you would never you would never have those Quentin Tarantino flicks without a fistful of dollars, for example. Um, and what's so funny about it is it was also it's also considered to be an unofficial remake uh, per Wikipedia of the Akira Kurosawa film, Yo Jimbo. So you've got an Italian doing a remake of a samurai movie in the format of an American Western with Clint motherfucking American ass Eastwood. And so (laughs) Clint American. Come on. Okay. All right. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's a must see. I mean, you know, you can't, I don't think you can ever say that you're a fan of Westerns until you've seen it. That's just my personal opinion. Okay. All right. Fistful of dollars. And I'm, I mean, so there was like, I don't think I actually had like a bonafide like Western phase, but as a kid, when we had like a lot less, you know, channels in the universe and stuff, and they, they'd rerun like a lot of Westerns late at night and stuff. Westerns, freaking the old Kung Fu, David Carradine movies, that type of stuff. And I remember, and I think I remember seeing Fistful, it was either Fistful of Dollars or The Good, The Bad, The Ugly, because I remember the standoff and everything. I remember that. So it was either one of those two, but, but I definitely, it's, it's widely considered to be, you know, Western canon. So, so that, that's, that's a very, very, um, solid, uh, pick on your end. Uh, I'm going to go with basically what's chalk, as we say in the DFS community, you know, in gaming community, basically what's just like the standard play that everyone would choose if they're in my, you know, if they're in my seat or what have you, I'm not even ashamed of it. It was really good for its time. It kind of holds up to an extent. And it is it is what you mentioned earlier, Dances with Wolves. I mean, it won mm. all the Oscars that the year came out. I mean, and look, it's not a perfect movie by any stretch as far as the whole white man comes into, you know, a, a foreign area and becomes one of them and they accept him type of stuff. But uh, at the time, not only was it kind of ahead of its game, it really did, you know, do a lot more than any film probably within five years either way of it to really, you know, humanize Native Americans who are so, you know, 
grossly underrepresented in in uh, Hollywood today as it is. And it was just, I mean, and it really does capture the majesty of the American West, the wide vistas and landscapes, you know, the buffalo roaming, you know, <clears throat> simple or at least non-technological living and stuff like that. And it transports you to a time and place. And I think we've already established from earlier podcasts that I do, I am a sucker for being transported to a time and a place. So dance with the wolves, well, chalk it up. Yeah, that's one of the best part of uh, Western flicks is the fact that they – a really good Western flick truly – and every single one that we've listed, by the way, I think does this. Every single one really puts you into a different time and a different place. Even No Country for Old Men, that took place in the 70s, I think, maybe the late 60s. And it feels that way. Um, you know, out, uh, And so – a lot of like all of the best Western flicks, in my opinion, are ones that will bring you into, you know, the desert or into cowboy land in one way or the other. Um, and then they have other tropes too. Um, but that I, I totally agree with what you said. And uh, you know, great, great pick. It's a little, um, it's not Chalky. my favorite, but it's a good pick. Okay, it's it's chalky. It's it's pretty pretty vanilla, but you know, go ahead. Well, well, then you know, uh, finish finish off your picks right. Give us something inspired, non-chalk, off the board, off the map, or just one you like. This is off. This is off the board. This is off the map. However, if you are in, (laughs) uh, that's how I roll. Is off the map. But if you have been paying attention to uh, independent horror flicks in the last couple of years. There's no way you haven't heard of this one. It was on Netflix for a hot minute. Um, very, 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 very lit. Bone Tomahawk. Check that shit out. Whoa, I have not heard of that. I have not seen how lit it is. Please, light it up for us, Peter. Because I felt like this was one that you may have heard of because it created quite a little uh, – it, it drummed up a pretty good cult following and, and got a lot of uh, internet buzz and all that stuff over the – it came out in 2015. So um, <clears throat> Kurt Russell, first of all, uh, low-budget flick, but it's but, – but they These do have Kurt Russell. Savings. <laughs> they, they are savings. Uh, Patrick Wilson also. Uh, you may remember him from Hard I do Candy. Like, I, I, like, I like Patrick Wilson. I'm very familiar with his oeuvre. Very talented actor. Very under the radar too. Yeah, pretty sure this was a pretty low-budget indie-type flick, but they had both Kurt Russell and uh, him. David Arquette actually makes a, a small appearance. Well, I wouldn't say small appearance, but a minor role. Um, so basically, um, 1800s, and they're in this. Uh, they're in a tiny little town. Uh, I don't. I'm not sure where. Somewhere in the old west, and uh, basically there is a tribe of cannibals savages uh you know their words not mine but it's um they at first it kind of comes across as like okay it's just sort of the native american versus settler strife that we've heard about before but then it turns out like no these guys actually it was a a cave full of these like evil motherfuckers like you know satanic sort of um you know crazy rituals and they are brutalizing people and eating them alive and shit. And uh, Kurt Russell is on essentially a one man journey to save them. He's not alone, but it's basically the Kurt Russell show. Shit going is, Charles Bronson in the 1800s, huh? Yeah, pretty kind of more like, it's more so like, uh, you know, it's just him. Desert, you know, with two companions who kind of are more dead weight than anything. Um, two, two or 
two or three. I don't really remember. Uh, but then when he gets finally gets to their destination, they start fucking shit up. So um, it's a it's a bit of a slow burn. It's kind of you know it's a I don't think it's on Netflix anymore, but man, it's very, very, very good. Um, very good movie all around, not just in the sense of a Western, but like it's got that horror vibe to it. Uh, Kurt Russell is perfect in the role. Patrick Wilson is plays a very emotional, very great role. So I think you would like it, honestly. Okay. I, I always love learning, you know, about new films. Uh, and thanks for, you know, taking us, just taking us to a time and a place where, you know, very few people probably have heard of them. I, I somehow missed my radar, so thank you. Uh, and I am just, I'm in a pickle, kind of stuck uh, as far as, uh, I mean, I, I'm actually a little surprised at how many of these Westerns that are listed on, say, what is this, uh, Rotten Tomatoes, whatever, that I kind of actually have an affinity for. Um, you could, there are a lot of ways you can go. You can go, you know, Blazing Saddles, old school. You can go, you know, just uh, neo-Western, like, uh, like Book of Eli, which you know it's got Denzel. I mean, I'm I'm tempted to choose it, but oh man, um, all the pretty horses was good. Um, I'm going to be I'm going to make a decision. My decision is good. You know what? Okay, we're gonna we're gonna go with this. All right. <sighs> I feel embarrassed even saying this. I'm sorry, y'all. Far and away. You remember that? That, 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 no. that qualify as Western? <clears throat> not, like, not only do I, go ahead. Not only do I not remember it, I when I thought I didn't think you were done with your sentence. I thought you were saying like <laughs> Far and Away, my favorite movie is. Or ah, no, no, the movie's called Far and Away. It stars uh, Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. <clears throat> I think they were like like newlyweds or 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 you know one of, it was one of the, the 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 first few films shortly after they got married and stuff that um that. Or, or what's the movie they hooked up on? I can't remember. Anyways, they were they were a couple by then. They did this movie. It's about Irish immigrants uh, making their way across, you know, the, the untamed West or whatever in the late 1800s, uh, working on the on on the, the transcontinental railroad or whatever, falling in love and being all Irish and and just you know the struggles of the frontier, blah blah blah. But I mean. It's a really good romance, and I really enjoyed it. And if that makes me a sap and a sucker, I'm your sap. I'm your sucker. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Uh, Sorry. I, I like some. I like some sappy shit. I've never seen that. I don't. Do you know if that's post or pre Eyes Wide Shut? Because I'm wondering if that was the movie they hooked up on. Oh, that's that's definitely pre Eyes Wide Shut. Was was definitely a decision they made as like a married couple. Um, but they um. Where in? I'm trying. Actually, you know, I need to. Yeah, let me check IMDb real quick. Far and away, I want to say it was like 90. Not there. It is. No, oh shit. Ooh, 92. Oh yeah, this is super early. This is um. Yeah, this is like uh, because I was watching show was like 2000, 2001, somewhere around there. Um, maybe no, 99. Earlier than that. Yeah, 90, 97, 98. I think. Seriously? Really? That, oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Um, because I, I felt like I was out of college when I saw Eyes Wide Shut, and I'm like, oh, this is some funky shit. <laughs> um, yeah, so Days, yeah, so they did worked on Days of Thunder and stuff. I think Days of Thunder might have been the movie where they they you know met and like you know hooked up, and I guess he left Mimi Rogers or whatever. You know what? You know, and speaking of, <laughs> this is the week that that will go down in history as the week where Jennifer Aniston got her karmic revenge. <laughs> Let me get, I'm gonna hit you with I'm gonna What's hit that? you with a Jake. I'm gonna hit you with a Jay Cutler here. Don't care. 
<laughs> apparently, apparently the internet cares. Brangelina was trending all day yesterday despite black men being murdered on the streets. I mean, I guess it's a big deal to America. <laughs> whatever but uh yeah so anyways keeping that moving um I, yeah I, my last one is far and away i do, I do want to give a shout out though so i and i realize that it's not so much i don't like westerns but um as far as movies that have been westerns i there aren't as long a list of other genres that i like but i have been watching i've watched every episode i was on board from day one um because once again historical fiction i'm a sucker for it uh it, it's it's a bona fide western it was a show on amc called uh, Hell on Wheels. And actually, my boy Don Norwood, what up, Don? If you hear this, see this at any point. Uh, he played, uh, he actually became a series regular, I think, two or three seasons into it. Just finished its run. Five very tight seasons. Uh, I think it averaged about 12 or 13 episodes each. And it was about the building of, the, of a, a, I think, the Union Pacific Railroad and a former Confederate soldier um, named Cullen Bohannon, who used to own slaves himself, you know, finds himself as like the foreman, you know, trying to escape his, his Confederate past, whatever, out in like, you know, the post-Civil War West, working with all manner of people and stuff, and just basically looking for a redemption. He killed a bunch of people, trying to find himself. A really good, really, really good show. I enjoyed it. Very complicated. You know, Common was one of the first, uh, was, was a lead on there for the first two or three seasons. Just some really interesting work going on there. So that's a Western. It's not a movie that y'all should check out. Hell on Wheels, should, the full season should be available, I guess, wherever they show those damn shows. Okay, great. <laughs> no, Hell on Wheels is lit. I, uh, I remember that being, what that was a Breaking Bad in its peak, uh, peak Breaking Bad led into Hell on Wheels when they premiered it. Um, and that was like the whole big deal for, I think, like, I want to say season four or season five. It was after Breaking Bad. It would be like, stay tuned for AMC's Hell on Wheels. And I yeah, remember and the show had a lot of hype when it first came out because of that. But uh, kind of it did. But but they they actually uh, to their credit, I mean, a lot of times we talk bad, we talk down about all these uh, studio heads, whatever. But they figured out it's it's its purpose or its slot. After I think the third season, they moved it to Saturdays, which is normally a graveyard for most shows, but there's oh. like a whole Western block of programming on AMC. And they just stick it in the middle of that. And I wouldn't say it flourished, but it survived for like a, like a season and a half longer than it deserved to. So kudos to them, man. Big shouts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big shouts. No, I, I, Saturday seems like a bad day for television. <laughs> But good day for Westerns, apparently. Uh, and so I'm going to segue us with no real segue in sight <laughs> into describing our Cinema Draft game. What exactly is Cinema Draft for people who are new to this podcast? It's basically a daily fantasy sports version of the movies. Think of, say, DraftKings meets the movies. You draft 10 actors who are then assigned a, who are assigned a dollar value salary. You have $100,000 in budget to try to draft all 10 actors no more, no less. You must pick at least one actor from all three release types, wide, limited, and platform, representing how, how widely or, or smallly, that's not a word, <laughs> shortly, or uh, how, how wide or small the release of the film is. So whether it's a blockbuster or a small indie film, you must have at least one actor from each of those three release types. Uh, you also get 40% more points for headliners. To give you an example, Tom, uh, Tom Cruise is worth more than, say, oh, I don't know, uh, whoever the guy who plays the sheriff in that Jack Reacher film. So if Jack Reacher makes $100 million in its opening weekend, then then Tom, then the, the sheriff guy gets 100 points 
one point per million dollars in box office, whereas Tom Cruise gets 140 points because he's a headliner and probably costs a way lot more. It is free to play. We are going into official beta testing any freaking day now, so bear with us. And we are going to segue into what's called the shot list. The what list? The shot list. Are you familiar with the shot list, Peter? Have you heard about this? Uh, duh. <laughs> I just work here, yes. Yes, he's heard of the shot list. So basically, these are, view, these are views you can use to pick the winning cinema draft call sheet, or is where your 10 actors you pick reside. All right, so top of the shot list is what we call the A-list. Now, these are actors you definitely want on your call sheet. And of course, the god, my boy, Denzel Washington, tops the A-list. Magnificent Seven opens tomorrow night. Uh, he is valued at twenty at a whopping twenty two thousand five hundred dollars. We have our first, you know, twenty twenty thousand dollar actor in cinema uh, draft, uh, and he's it's just it's gonna be worth it. It's gonna crush the rest of the competition. It's gonna be the movie everyone's going to see. There are the tracking uh, services are already estimating it's gonna break all sorts of September records. So Denzel Washington tops the A list. Uh, I also will throw on there Andy Samberg from Storks. It's an animated film. Uh, he's worth nineteen. He's worth nineteen three hundred. So nineteen thousand three hundred, and it's also a wide release film. It's on thirty eight hundred freaking screens. All right, an anime does real well with no real uh, competition, animated wise, inside. No real family films that are wide released uh, that are new out uh, in for probably last two or three weeks. I think the only thing that comes to mind is Secret Life of Pets. I think it's going to be in good shape. Uh, whereas you'll have the adults going to see the, the R-rated uh, Magnificent Seven. I'm pretty sure all the all the henpecked and the ones with kids are going to go take the kids on a Saturday morning, or whatever, to go see Storks. Uh, co-starring, these are some values you may want to look out for this weekend. Uh, and I, I'm I'm not quitting. Uh, no Manches Frida. It's a uh, it's a small independent Mexican film. Uh, so for this one, we're just gonna say, you know, get get you a headliner, get you Omar Chaparro. He's 8,500. It's a platform release, which means it's a small all the releases. I believe it will still be on under less than 500 screens, and until it stops making, you know, a million plus a weekend, I'm gonna keep rostering it. I just can't. I can't. I gotta do it. I mean, it last weekend uh, it made 1.3 million. So that's so as far as the scoring goes for those new to cinema draft. Uh, you get one point in a platform release film for every $100,000 in box office gross. So it got 13 points last weekend. And if you had a headliner, you got over almost 18 points. I mean, it's bananas. So uh, until it stops making a million a weekend, I refuse to bet against it. Uh, another movie we're adding that will be new to the talent pool this weekend, but is in its second weekend, is – let me get this title right – The Beatles – Eight days a week, the touring year. So grab you John Lennon, who's obviously a headliner, <laughs> one of the stars of this documentary. He's worth 8600 He's also a platform film. It was only on – it grossed 634000 on only 85 screens last weekend. So that was pretty damn special. So we're estimating it's going to you know, probably go out to maybe 100 screens – um, it's not going to be widely released probably ever, so that also might be a, a sneaky good play if you if you are want to make a a, a pivot away from the sure to be highly owned Nomanches Frida. And the last part of the shot list is the cutting room floor. 
And that's the part where I basically advise you to skip these losers. <laughs> uh, all Suicide Squad, although it was a fun, entertaining movie, it definitely made its money. It's, I think, in its eight week of re- eighth week of release. It's too wide a release. It's still over 2,000 screens, um, and it's only getting about maybe four to five million a weekend in box office. So, you know, spending the money on it, uh, I think you've got a range from 8,000 to 9,500. I mean, you're better off saving your money and applying it, you know, elsewhere in the talent pool. Also, uh, Wild Oats, which debuted last weekend to, all right, buckle your seatbelt, $21,000 total gross on 100 screens. Dog. That's That's like 20, that's basically... $216 $216 per screen. I could probably make more money charging admission for people to watch me play NBA 2K17 over a weekend than people who went to go pay money to go see Wild Oats. So sorry, Jessica Lang, your run, you know, your run in the talent pool should be short-lived. Skip that loser, and that that completes the shot list. Do you have any do you have any other things you want to contribute to the shot list, Peter? Yeah. Fuck Tom Cruise. That's my <laughs> contribution. He's not even on. He's not even in the talent pool this week. <laughs> I know, but you talked about him. You did a hit and run right before you got into the shot list, and so I just oh, did I? What I do? What I, I do? Sh- I just wanted to walk it back and just okay. say fuck Tom Cruise. That's all. <laughs> Rewind. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we we don't have to get into it any further than that. I just want to say fuck Scientology. Oh, okay, and now we're going, okay, since we are wrapping this up and not wanting to have <laughs> the church come after us in only our fourth official podcast, uh, where can you find CinemaDraft? <laughs> <laughs> you can find CinemaDraft at CinemaDraft.co. That is HTTP colon slash slash CinemaDraft.co to sign up for an invite for a free beta, which hopefully will be going online any day now. It is free to play, and we are giving away real money. Uh, also, follow us on via social media and all other outlets. We are everywhere. We're at Twitter, at Play Cinema Draft. Facebook, Cinema Draft. Instagram, at Cinema Draft. Medium, slash, at Cinema Draft. Pinterest, Cinema Draft. We even have a YouTube channel, which, of course, you're watching this on. And we have an official listening podcast. This will be, you might actually be listening to this right now if you're a subscriber or stumbled across us in the iTunes store. If so, congrats to you and hashtag you're welcome. Uh, we can, you can find, you can find us at, uh, as our base lookup in the Google store. We're in the Google uh, Play store. We're in iTunes. We're in SoundCloud. Just look for uh, Cinema Draft Podcast. That's us. We're the only ones out there. We out here. And for those of you who are already playing inside the, the invite-only beta, your feature presentation starts Thursday. Uh, theater count locks at 6 p.m., which means that after 6 p.m., we will have certainty for what the release types will be. And then the game itself starts at 10 p.m., all times Pacific time, because that's where we live. Yes, sir, west side, till we die. Uh, the game runs through until the results are posted at 3 p.m. Monday, covers the release period of Thursday evening through Sunday evening. And stay tuned for any updates for Cinema Draft the game, Cinema Draft the podcast, Cinema Draft the mini pod. I'm experimenting with a solo pod on Mondays after the result, results come in, where we will analyze the weekend's box office in brief and also break down the winning feature presentation call sheet. So that's all I got, Peter. Want to say something for the people before we head head on out? 
Nah, man, I already got my hate out. We're good. <laughs> the hateful eight over there behind the dog Avi. I can I can dig it. All right, well, <laughs> I gotta work on my intros. Gotta work on my outros. But right now, I'm too busy working on making a cool site for you guys. So until next time, please subscribe to us at the iTunes Store or wherever you get your fine podcasts. Also, uh, I guess you can rate us, I guess. I don't know. Um, I guess we can take criticism. It's all good. But uh, definitely, if you like the podcast, definitely rate us in the iTunes store so more people can discover us, find us, and add more value to the world. So in lieu of exit music, holla at your boys.